welcome to Mimeo's Talk of the Trade. I'm Mike McNary. In addition to leading the sales organization here at Mimeo, I'm also interested in unlocking the secrets of sales and marketing. In each episode, I talk with creative leaders to find out how they approach problems like motivating sales teams, structuring the revenue cycle, and fitting product to market. At the end of the conversation, you and I have new takeaways to apply to our everyday life. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Mike McNary here, welcoming you to another episode of Mimeo's Talk of the Trade podcast. I'm excited about our topic today, how to get the most out of your tech stack. For our conversation, we have Jake Dunlap. Jake is the CEO of Scaled Consulting. Jake, it's great to have you. Welcome to the pod. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It should be a fun one. Yeah, I agree. Um, for our listeners that might not know much about you, Jake, or Scaled, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization. Yeah. So I'm Jake Dunlap. I'm the CEO of Scaled Consulting. We are a revenue operations strategy and tactical execution firm, which really means we work with CEOs, senior sales leaders to operationalize everything from their top of funnel through the current customer work. And we do that be a mix of you know best practices around processes and playbooks, but then also then the the technology and tactical execution um, in your tech stack to pull all that through. So RevOps is a big buzzword now, and we're really one of the only organizations that looks at it more holistically from both an enablement and technology uh, vantage point. Yeah, that's great. I I, I can tell you that uh, being lucky enough to have a, a RevOps team uh, uh, for our sales organization, I don't know what I would do without it now. So. Um, yep. I think the value is really strong. If somebody's hearing this, Jake, and they're saying, wow, I need to get some of that, um, how can they reach out to you or to Scaled? Yeah. yeah, LinkedIn's always good. Just you know, check me out on LinkedIn. I do just a little bit of content on LinkedIn, on sales and revenue operations. So just type in Jake Dunlap, or you can just email me at jake at Scaled with a K, S-K-A-L-E-D. And um, yeah, definitely always down to talk best practices, strategy, and probably some of the things we're going to talk about today. Yeah, rock and roll. We're going to talk today, as I mentioned at the top, about making the most uh, of a tech stack. And um, wanted to kind of kick it off by asking you, you know, how has the sales tech landscape evolved over the last decade or so, Jake? I mean, last decade, there was only CRM. And it was really like, you know, marketing tools <laughs> went through their kind of evolution in the, the late yes. 2000s, early 2010s. And then sales tech kind of fast followed in call it early to mid 2010s, um, you know, with like sales engagement platforms and various, you know, there's some already some data platforms. Um, and so really the last decade has been the the birth of a lot of sales specific technologies. Yeah. And, you know, now I think that the, the difficulty we have is that many of the people that are in charge of these organizations didn't grow up with these tools. And so they didn't, you know, Build or an organization that used you know a thousand to two thousand dollars a month per sales rep, uh, you know, just for technology. You know, they worked hard and emailed and called and did things, and um, you know, they didn't have the technology. And so I think that kind of like where we're at now is as some of these technologies people are now implementing their second time, their third time. I think you're seeing a maturation of. Uh, use cases and um, people starting to either realize what's noise or, or how to actually get real value out of the tech stack. Because you know, again, it's just like anything new. You know, it's just rush to spend and buy and shiny new toy here and oh, this will solve all revenue mm -hmm. challenges or this will solve. I mean, it happens all the time. Jake, we need a ABC tool, and it's like, look, from our work, like you actually just have a 
really poor part of your sales process right here, this technology is not going to solve a process problem. Right. And that's kind of our ethos is that, you know, everything is a process problem. So if you're looking at technology to solve a process for you, unless it's some manual behind the scenes piece, uh, you know, you probably have to solve part of the process too, or, you know, where documentation, SLAs, different, you know, standardizations of way that you're doing things. So it's been a, it's been an amazing evolution. We've been at the forefront for a long time. You know, we were early adopters of some sales engagement technology back in 2015, 14. And so we've been, uh, you know, I, it's really my job to stay on top of this. And it's one of the parts right. of my job that I love. You know, every week I'm probably taking a couple different demos with different interesting technologies. So, you know, it, it's evolved a lot. And it's just, it's, it's a core part of how you have to build your team now. That sales leaders, again, just because they didn't grow up with it, you know, you can't outsource your knowledge to a ops leader necessarily. Even you need to make sure you, you kind of reimagine and rethink about, uh, you know, what could be helpful or beneficial for your organization. No, I, I liked a lot of what you said there. I think, you know, speaking as one of those people you described, a lot of this tech was not around as I was coming up mm-hmm. or even when I started in leadership and getting to learn it. I honestly feel at times like I'm behind the learning curve of some of my reps because yep. they've only known this world and can kind of uh, see through the 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 fog i think more quickly than i can when we get a new tool or we're piloting something different and uh, i'm kind of envious at times but the other point you made that i really like is the noise you said you know understanding the real value of these things versus perceived value right and it takes a little while to get to that point and i think it's important for people to realize that right yeah exactly and well, and I think what happens too is like what, what happens is a lot of times people just implement, they hear about a shiny new tool, they think about it, but they haven't really mapped like the real issue or the real bottleneck. I was just talking to someone about this maybe earlier this week. And I cannot tell you the amount of times people are like, look, we got to build a new playbook or like we've got to do ABC or this thing. And because they're not looking at the holistic piece or they're trying to solve it with this piece of tech, it's like the actual issue is the discovery process. It's not actually the you know proposal process or whatever it's that your team's not doing this part correctly and so i think right. that that's a big issue right now with these siloed operations groups and you know sales ops marketing ops you know cs ops uh, and and then rev ops just really in a lot of organizations just being glorified sales ops is that a lot of times people pick a technology to solve a problem but that's not the actual problem the problem yeah. actually exists in a different part of the value chain and that's just the downhill you know effect of it and so I think, you know, whenever we talk to companies, it's just so important to really map out all of these pieces and say, what's the bottleneck? Like, yeah, this could maybe solve that, but is that going to really be the big unlock for you? And so it's, yeah. I think too often people, they jump to pick a, a point solution that doesn't solve the problem. And then two, and this is probably the most guilty, is we, we need to get this started yesterday. When, when, when do you guys ready to go live? Yesterday. And it's like... Right. No. And then what happens is they <laughs> rush the they rush the implementation of it and then they blame the tool. And it's like, no, you needed to this is a change management exercise. It's gonna take a few months to get there. Stop trying to, you know, oh, we trained everybody, we trained them, it's done. We trained them, it's done. Yeah. Right. So you've got both of those things. It's a selection process is flawed. And then, you know, probably the the, the most consistent is the implementation process is rushed, you know, almost yeah. without fail in some of these tools. Yeah, I agree. Uh, starting out on on the kind of selection side, Jake, you know, there's a lot out there. As you mentioned earlier, you're taking calls really often uh, to kind of stay on top of the market and what's happening on the tech side of things. 
But, you know, if I'm a sales leader or if I'm an organization with multiple decision makers all involved in the vendor selection process, what are some things to consider when evaluating one solution against a competitive landscape? Like how should we be measuring what's best for yeah. your company? That's such a good question. Step one is to map the process so you understand the bottleneck, right? And what I mean by that is, and I say this a lot, like one of my favorite stats I've heard is that the word priorities was invented in like the 1920s. Before that, you could only have one priority. Like <laughs> the priority and, and bottleneck is another one of those words. Like there, there can only be one bottleneck. Like it's not like by definition. And I think too often people are trying to solve a bunch of little point issues. And so they never really get to the heart of what was the one bottleneck. And so their their evaluation process is going to solve some small things, but then they don't end up picking the right person because it doesn't solve the underlying or big piece that I was mentioning before. And then when they get into the competitive evaluation phase, um, the most important part goes back to the the second thing I mentioned, which was the onboarding. Like You should be picking a solution that is actively talking about how we're going to make you successful. I would be talking to customers who went through the onboarding process. I would be talking to you know uh, Slack groups I'm a member of. But you know, all things being equal, if one tool is even 20% better at something, but that tool that doesn't have quite all the bells and whistles, make sure that you can use the product, you're going to get more of a lift. And so that would yeah. be my advice is that, you know, Pick the solution that's going to make sure and 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 has that mindset of like our job is for you to be here for years, you know. And the sales team is talking about that in the actual deal cycle, all that stuff. So that 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 to me is probably one of the most important criteria. Is is again how what is this organization going to do to make sure that I'm successful, you know, yeah. after I make this uh, investment? Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Um, you know, when making that decision, right, you're talking about focusing on who's going to invest in a successful implementation. There's a lot of, you know, uh, people that will be involved on the buying end, right? The people making the decision, the yeah. people that are going to be in administrative roles, people that will be kind of manager on that particular tool. The end users are the ones that have to adopt it, as we all know. That's right. Um, should they be involved in the decision-making process at all? And if so, what's a good way to get them kind of uh, uh, this, the ability to give their two cents along the way? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, like emphatic yes. Um, yeah. And specifically, the frontline managers uh, have, have to be involved. I can tell yeah. you, we've come, we've come in on the back of many, many, many failed change management initiatives around the sales process itself or technology adoption. And I can tell you the most common is the lack of involvement of frontline leaders because at the end of the day, who is going to have to troubleshoot when a rep has a question? The leader. And so we use a framework and and all of you, uh, please, I uh, encourage you to steal this. Um, we use a framework is actually developed by Bain Consulting called Rapid. And basically it's a way to assign groups and roles to move through the evaluation process from a, a thoroughness standpoint and a speed standpoint. Because that's the other problem is whenever you don't come up with this kind of clear decision-making framework, you just get every cook in the kitchen. And then it's like, you yeah. know, we, we've got a, a client right now. And uh, this is a good example where our team did not do a good job of this. And so then it's like the person who brought us in is in product marketing, then you got marketing involved in sales, and then, and then everyone's got input. And it's like, stop, we're putting them in rapid. 
And so rapid is a real simple framework. I'll give you guys the definitions. P is for perform. Who's actually going to rewrite the sequences? Who's going to who's going to implement it or, or, or uh, do the run the evaluation, whatever it ends up being? Input. Yep. So the I is input. Okay, and that's where you form. You call them tiger teams. You might call them something else. Where again, we might select, you know, a team of like top performers from this group and a team of sales managers from here. These people are responsible for giving input into what the decision criteria should be or the final output, whatever that might be. Then you've got your agree team. That that could be the frontline managers. Like, okay, so we've given some input. The frontline managers need to agree before we go to the recommendation phase that this is what we want to go. And then the recommendation is usually the second most senior person who's kind of like the, the sponsor, you could say, of the product yep. project. And then the D is the final decision maker. It could be the CRO, VP of sales, just depending on it. And, and what we found is like it is crazy by just setting up the teams up front, just just the leap forward of the deployment of anything, Again, whether it's a sales playbook, whether it's technology, whether it's, I mean, you can use the same framework for the, you know, your interior design. I mean, it, it's just having it assigned a, an assigned decision-making process, I can tell you cleans up, you know, most of what you see in defunct dysfunction across cross-functional teams. And so the, the rapid framework is our go-to. It's been our go-to for about five or six years and it just, it just flat works. Yeah, it makes sense to me too. I think, you know, having that clearly defined roles and responsibilities is effective in so many cases, right? Um, when everyone's trying to, to kind of do a little bit of everything or get their two cents in every conversation, it can, it can lead to either stagnation or even reversal of momentum, you know? Oh, I so. mean, it always does is what I would say. <laughs> it always, because it, especially when you have two people that are at a peer level, if they don't get assigned a role, right? And it's not that you couldn't have two people at the recommendation. I'm not talking about that, but maybe it's cross-functional. The buck has to stop somewhere. Someone has to say, this is, we're going to move to the next phase. And, and that... Hey, you know, again, we live in this world of kind of extreme consensus decision making, which just leads to more meetings and la less decisions. Um, this clears a lot of that up for you. Yep. So, you know, having talked about the selection and you know the the defining roles to 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 make it a process that you can kind of get behind, get some momentum with. You're at the implementation phase, and I think you know you alluded to not expecting the tool to solve the problem on its own. Right. So what would you say makes some tech stack implementations more successful than others? One is an unrealistic time frame. You know, whatever yeah. you think the time to implement is, double it. Like good rule of thumb, just double it. You're like, we're gonna be live six weeks. Plan on being done being going live in 12 weeks. You know, I think the more that you um are realistic about that and you give yourself the leeway to make sure people are trained properly. The other, and then the second piece I'll say is managers should go through everything first. Put sure. the managers through the process first. Then, you know, again, we do this with all of our playbook work in particular. We 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 do not roll out and never roll out the same change management to everybody at the same time because then again, the people that are the, the linchpin, the frontline managers, they're learning at the same time your reps are. I'd much rather deploy it to leaders let them utilize it for two to four weeks, soft start to use it with their team, and then do a formal deployment to the reps on the front line. And again, we've just seen that be the, um, you know, the kind of catalyst for success or the, the determining factor many times. So if you, if you plan on slightly longer timeframes, in the grand scheme of things, right? Yes, would it be great to have this thing go faster than you know, six to eight weeks extra? Yes, of course. But hopefully this is a tool you're going to have for years. 
You know, right. like you're, you're trying to select a tool that you, you know, is going to solve a problem for many years. So um, take the extra time, get the right people, again, involved in the decision-making. So when you roll it out, they're not asking, what is this thing? They're already involved. Make sure the frontline leaders are, again, go through the process first before just deploying it to the reps. Um, candidly, if you do those two things, I mean, you're going to be in the top 5% of implementations, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that we see. Um, because those are the things that mess it up is we condense it, we rush it, and then we don't get the people that are going to have to answer the day-to-day questions up to speed in a way that they can actually answer them and and help the team. Right. Yeah, which makes sense. And I think, you know, what you can do a lot of times is if those frontline managers don't understand it, um, you know, you, you can lose some faith uh, from the end users, right? If they're seeing that somebody else isn't taking it seriously or hasn't become expert, they might not themselves have the desire to take it seriously or become expert. That's right. You know? That's right. Uh, and if they and weren't involved you... in the decision-making process, that's the other thing, right? And then you're like, hey, here's this tool. And all every single manager is like, why did we buy this thing? Like, I didn't, like nobody on our team, we would love it if, if, if we as humans could just change on a dime, but that's just not how life works, right? There's a change management is a very real thing. So, you know, just having an appreciation for that that changes is not, you know, automatic. And therefore, what can we do to help to sell this internally and get people on board and, and making sure you're, you're, you're spending just as much time thinking about that, even as you are about the technology you pick. Because right. if you don't think about how you're going to actually get this live and get people excited, then again, like you could pick the best tech, but it won't, it still won't get deployed. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, even if you do all those things right, um, what I've seen sometimes, uh, Jake, is that the end users will there'll be an incongruous adoption, right? Some will really take to the solution and some might not uh, uh, kind of jump towards or buy into the ROI as quickly. Is there a way to effectively um, incent adoption or to drive it in a way that'll make the end users successful with the tool more quickly? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of different ways that you can like think about that. Like one is just establish what success looks like. Like the amount yeah. of people that I see who don't establish success metrics for a new technology deployment. You know, like and, and that could be a mix of usage metrics and it could be it, it should it should be business metrics. If you're gonna invest in abctech.com.io.ai, okay, whatever the name of the tool is, okay. If it you should be able to say this is going to impact rep productivity. This is going to impact sales cycle. Like whatever it is, I, it is mind-blowing how few technology deployments or, or op, RevOps, like for us as a RevOps consulting firm, my, my team is maniacal. Like you're not, tr- you're not tracking our performance based on number of tickets. Be like, you know, did we build a process that got a bunch of projects done? It's like, no, for this project, the metric we're trying to impact the sales cycle and we're going to try to in- decrease by 25%. Right. So you should be tacking any type of technology, you know, and you could have some leading indicators around usage. Like, okay, within 60 days, we hope that X percent of people are using it X percent of time by, you know, 120 days, we're hoping for this. But at the end of the day, what's the rev? What's the metric? A business metric, not a, you know, well, they like the tool, like bought it for a reason. And it's probably to drive sales. You know whether that's via productivity gains or actual revenue gains or more at bats, you should establish a business metric for, for for your purchases. For sure, yeah. And now a message from Mimeo, your podcast sponsor. 
Here are three things you should know about Patricia Parker. She organizes 38 trade shows per year. She is a scrupulous business shopper, and she saved her marketing team $40,000 in hard costs in one year. Once upon a time, Patricia's team at WEG relied on an internal print facility to handle marketing collateral. They paid a yearly lease, plus costs of ink and paper for each print project. When their offices shut down during the pandemic, Patricia realized they needed a different solution. She reached out to four different digital printers. After doing full due diligence, she chose Mimeo as her new vendor. Now, Patricia's team places orders online whenever they need them. Says Patricia, we check regularly to see how much we spent in print with Mimeo compared to what it would have been with our leased printer. Each month, we save 50% by using Mimeo. Honestly, switching to Mimeo is the best thing we ever did. Read Patricia's full story at bit.ly slash mimeoprint or call 901-566-8900 to speak to a rep today. That's bit.ly forward slash M-I-M-E-O-P-R-I-N-T. And now back to your episode. We kind of started the conversation, Jake, yeah. talking about how, okay, this last decade, you know, where, you know, we came from the dark ages to a place now where sales tech stack solutions are ubiquitous, right? They're everywhere. And, you know, if you're a sales leader or an ops, you get outreach from SDRs of every new tech solution you can think of every other week, right? Yeah. What, you know, what advice would you give, you know, a sales leadership team or even a, a rev ops team? To stay on top of this ever-changing tech stack and all the options available, how, how do you stay current? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I'll try to give you a couple different ways to, to think about this. Um, sure. You know, one is take demos. Meaning, when you go to these conferences, I would just encourage you to just always be dedicated. I use this framework I call um, 80-15-5, which is you know adds up to 100%. You know, eighty percent of my time is spent in things that are going to impact the business and you know my day to day in a very relatively soon time horizon, 30, 30 days or so. Fifteen percent of my time is dedicated to things that might help me in three to six months, and five percent of my time is should be dedicated to things that might help me in you know a year or multiple years. And and I think if you're a, a revenue leader today, you have whatever your your moniker is, you have to adopt a version of that. That if you are not, it goes back to what you said, right? Where your reps are on top of it. You you cannot if you think about where you want to be in five years or ten years or fifteen or twenty years as a leader. If you still want to be a leader and you still want to make that big salary or whatever, you know, whoever you again, and same thing at the rep level, you need to invest the same amount in your time to master these tools. Um, sure. You have to dedicate the time to do it, and you can't outsource. There's certain knowledge um, that you just cannot outsource. You cannot outsource your knowledge about what's going to be next. How are people building teams in a modern way? So step one is you've got to carve out time for it, you know. And I would just really, really encourage everyone, no matter what stage of career you're at, to to have that mindset. I think it's one of the things that made me very successful throughout my career is always doing a little bit of my time, very little bit of time, always you know planning and preparing and learning. So when opportunities came up, I was there. So that would be probably a, one of the most important kind of bigger picture pieces of advice. Um, I would say, I mean, I think, look, candidly, it's scaled. I think we're putting out some of the best content around this right now, around kind of technology yep. and what's working and what's not. So definitely, you know, uh, humble brag on, on the work I think our marketing team is doing. Um, 
But I do feel like we are putting out some pretty remarkable content on sales technology, what matters um, and what doesn't. But, you know, I, take a few extra demos that you might not have planned, you know, to yeah. build the time into, you know, okay, what is this thing? Okay, this is interesting. Uh, this isn't, okay, well, and then over time, you kind of, you know, you can kind of right size some of that. But, but yeah, that, that that's kind of maybe like the, the, the easiest answer I have is there's a lot of different resources. Um, G2 is another one as well, too, that, you know, I think has a lot of good different, especially for software. Um, but yeah, just I think even if you just carve out the time, you're going to be in a much better spot, you know, no matter who, who you listen to me or anybody else. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, there's some good points, right? Uh, you know, if you don't uh, take a gander, so to speak, you won't have an idea of what's on the horizon, right? And uh, if you're not carving out the time or going out to find third-party expertise, um, you're you're going to be behind the curve, right? And as things are changing so quickly, getting behind the curve can happen very quickly, right? Um, yeah. Nobody wants. And whenever to be we talk about generative person. AI, can go on a whole other like rant about that, about how just how um, important that is, you know, as 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 that next trend. Yeah. Well, why don't we let's do let's talk about that for a minute, right? We, we I, yeah. as you said, we could probably do you know hours on it, but you know, going to the point of uh, uh, that we've kind of been building up to is that you know having an, a proficiency with whatever tech stacks in place and an idea of what's around the corner that's kind of table stakes these days. As you know, top performing salespeople, you need to know how to leverage these tools. And as organizational leaders, you need to understand what's going to deliver ROI um, and, and help your team sell. AI is the prominent kind of, uh, I want to say sexy, but also, you know, yeah. high potential, um, you know, active player in, in, the, in the marketplace right now. Sure. What, do you, what do you see uh, being the immediate value of AI for salespeople? And then maybe where do you think it's going? Uh, uh, just some guess because it could go a lot of different directions. And maybe the next couple of years, Jake. Yeah, I, there's a couple of different things in there. There's one thing you actually mentioned uh, just briefly before I I'll jump into generative AI in particular. Yeah, um, is you as sales, if there's you know, if you're a rep and you're listening to this, you have to take your own professional development into your own hands. Meaning. You need to go out and get certified or to go out and do, you know, if you're, there's a tool that you are supposed to be using every day, you should get certified in that tool because chances are you're only using 20 to 30% of it. I think, you know, you cannot sit around and wait for your company to train you on it. Again, this is about your skill set and the job that you want to have 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. So just like I'm sitting here talking about leaders carving out time, if, if you're a rep, you cannot just sit there and like, hope that my company is going to give me all this training because it's you know you're going to be sadly disappointed most likely for all the that. reasons I talked about in terms of what it is. Yep. So to generative AI, like why it's so I guess transformational is for me as a CEO now, and you know, if I put myself in a CRO or VP of sales and all the way down to frontline manager and rep, th this is the first tool where it's like I have to rethink the way that I work. And what I mean by that is like, if I have a new problem, the usual thing, like, okay, I'm going to go open up a Google Doc or an Excel, or I'm going to go to Google and kind of YouTube, look at some options. Now the answer to all of this is go to ChatGPT. ChatGPT, you know, literally um, can get you started so much faster on any problem that you're having. 
right? And if you think about some of the prompts, and we'll drop some links here in the show notes, we've got kind of our AI sales prompt pro. We have a, a weekly webinar series, me and Kevin Dorsey on um, AI Unleashed, where we talk about all the applications of chat GPT. And, but, but I, so I won't get into all the details here, but imagine with chat GPT and when you, you can web enable it now being, or you can use, they've got some other plug, plug plugins like web pilot. Um, I can literally do a prompt like I'm trying to get a meeting with shell, you know, shells division of ABC. This is the group. Here's a link to their investor relations page for that group. Here's a link to their press release page for that group. Um, here's a copy of a blog post of the person I'm trying to get a meeting with. Um, and here's a and here's a link to our product page for the product that I sell. Help me to understand based on their current initiatives in the last 40 you know, press release or things they're talking about, what are the top two reasons that they'd probably want to part with, partner with me? And then help me to craft a five-sentence message to this individual uh, based on their preferred communication style to help me to book a meeting with them. Right, which is insane. It is insane. It, that would take me. It's to, insane. One, I would. It would to to get to that level of skill to know how to insert information, and to even think of that, it would take me 10, 10 years of sales. Now yeah. I could have zero years of sales and just know the right prompts to ask, and I could put together a message just as good, if not better, than someone who has twenty more years of experience than me. Um, you know, with some of the PDF readers, or if you turn on code generator interpreter, you can just drop an entire PDF into the, the, that you can drop your entire call, you know, transcription in there. I mean, there's just the application to just move so quick at personalization and customization. There's no excuse now. Everyone's been looking for this magic bullet of personalization or customization at scale. This is it. And so, um, it, it, again, and as a leader, you have got to change the way that you work. You have to. I just did this, and this is this would be a, a, a great share. ChatGPT. You know, I was thinking about my. I've got a nine year old and a five year old, and you know, uh, they're at that age where you know they're playing. My son's playing sports, and I'm on all the time about it. And um, you know, I said, man, you know what? We need to create a family like operating system. ChatGPT created like we just literally had our family meeting, our family operating system meeting last night. What it was able to put together was phenomenal. It would have taken me really? like, watching, you know, two hours worth of YouTube videos and yep. whatever to put together this beautiful thing that is like this really structured. And then I said, give me the script for it. Like, give me the script for how I should say this. I'm the dad and my wife is the, like, and it literally, the con- it could not have went better. And so You're it goes back me. to like, oh my gosh, I, you know what I'll do? I'm, I will copy and paste this thing. I will copy and paste it and I'll create a link that we can put in the show notes or people can I love it. DM me. But but just I mean that's just a that's a, a a snippet of again it goes back the way that we process information today has changed for forever. It really reminds the conversation I'm having I I won't mention the company but it's a Fortune 100 company, a sales development leader I was talking to a couple of weeks ago and it and just the fear of what ChatGPT and we're going to feed our information it reminds me of people talking about the internet when they're like, well, if we give everyone access to the internet, then they could share company information. It's like, dude, do you know the websites they're already going to? You know, do you know yeah. like, <laughs> I don't think you yeah. want to. So it's like, <laughs> we're, like, this is not a, again, just very, very reminiscent of someone who was around when the internet, you know, at 43, when the internet came to prominence. It just, it's just, it reminds me of something very similar. 
you know, where it was before you needed a book to go find a book or something on a topic and go to your library and then the internet came. And now instead of using Google um, or, you know, just purely your own deductive brain power, you can leverage a tool like ChatGPT to help you to find outcomes and a quality of outcome that would have been impossible on your own, even if you did yes. 50 hours of resource research. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I think as you, you said at the top is you're you're basically, if you're leveraging the tool uh, properly or strategically, you can overcome you know what would have been 20 years of institutional knowledge that you didn't have in a matter of a few key prompts, right? And you can get yourself to a place where, uh, you know, you sound expert in a way that there's no way you could have been um, by just doing uh, and using the tool in the proper way and in a forward thinking way. Right. And then, you know, of course, later on. And and, and leaders, too. Yeah. Leaders, too. Like, especially if you're a new leader, like, you know, hey, I've got a rep who's struggling with account planning. Here's a link to what my sales process is. Here's a link to our customer pages. Help me to build a six-week, 30-minute um, per week training program with agendas to help my rep to get better at account planning. That yeah. I, I'm probably a brand I've done that prompt before. It is it would have taken me an hour or so to put that together, at least. And there were a couple ideas in there. I'm like, I wouldn't have thought of that. And that's yeah. really freaking good. And and so the quality of conversations, and this is this is the scary part, I think, for AI is like, look, again, I'm 43, I've been in sales for 20 plus years. Um, I now realize the knowledge that I accumulated is not that proprietary. And if yeah. for a lot of people it's terrifying, you're like, but of course it is like I I know this, and I'm like, it's not. And so you can either choose to accept that that the knowledge that you thought that you gained was some proprietary data set, and then you will quickly find out that it was not. Um, and I think that is the big learning, is like you, your brain should not be responsible for coming up with all of the answer. And that, I think, is what scares people the most you know, necessarily about it. Yeah, I think, yeah, you can't fight fate, right? And a lot of people, what they consider to be their own IP, so to speak, um, ha- has become uh, obsolete. Uh, quite, it just quite is what quickly. it is. You know, I think the interesting part about it is like almost how you can continue to push this tool to see where the bounds are, right? Like you've just given a few examples where if you had said to me that, uh, do you think that this, uh, uh, you know, generative AI tool could accomplish this task? I would have said, well, maybe a little bit, right? You might get a little bit of what you're trying to, to get here by way of uh, end result. And you're telling me that in you know a couple of those cases, you were pretty blown away by the final outputs and every case. I am. Yes, every case. And, and and the key is when when you know when I talk to a lot of people again, it's just it's just like the internet and search queries, right? Remember how people don't realize how bad search used to be back in like the late '90s, early 2000s, like Alta Vista web, days, web web crawler, and some of these other ones, like. And that's yeah. kind of what it, again, it's the same thing. It's like, well, you know, the answer is okay. It's like, no, your prompt sucked. Like yeah. you weren't searching correctly. You know, it's, it's very similar. And that's why, again, we started this huge kind of sales prompt library um, where we've aggregated a bunch of this stuff for people because, you know, we obviously, if you can't tell, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and talking about it. Um, but it's it, from a productivity standpoint, it's just, it is the most important. It's not a sales technology per se, but it is the most important you know, kind of sales technology that every leader should be at least becoming familiar with and thinking about at least one or two ways to adopt it in their team and to yeah. 
because the teams are already using it. We've done a bunch of, we've done surveying. We had a survey we did. I think we had almost 500 respondents and 70% of sales reps said they're using it at least uh, monthly, if not, you know, weekly. And I think it was like 20 or 25% or something said they're using it at least once a week. So your teams are already using it. That's why, again, it is like the internet. Like they don't need, there's no change management lift to learn how to use chat. Like we already know how to use chat and that's a big, yeah. you know. And and, yeah, and, and, and I think that's one of my big takeaways and what I'll get to in a moment, but the, the, the owning that development uh, yourself, I think is key, right? Um, but what, one of the takeaways I have, Jake, is, you know, anybody listening, you want to uh, hear more about generative AI and ChatGPT, check out Jake's content because um, I think you are thinking of some creative ways to apply this that, you know, I, personally, I wouldn't have thought of, but I think many folks wouldn't have. And it's, I think a lot of us are looking for some guidance on, hey, you know, notionally, this is a direction you can take it. And notionally, here's another. And Honestly, try anything that comes to mind and see if you can find the the, the bounds of what this tool can, exactly. can add by way of value. You know, and I think we just, most of us, especially once you get to a certain point in your career, you're just used to doing things. I'll, I'll yeah. do it. I'll do it. And it's just, I, again, I've told this before, I fired, you know, when I first kind of started to go down the rabbit hole and had a, another sales leader who really uh, kind of opened my eyes and like, I, I kind of, I fired myself for like almost a, a week or so and just started just doing, just trying, experimenting because I knew yeah. it was that important. Like it just became very clear to me, like Jake, you need to put on like big time beginner mind here and go yep. back and act like you are, you know, you know, nothing. And yep. it was wildly transformational. Yeah. I think that's the ticket too. just going, uh, you know, understanding, you know, nothing and, and just, you know, have a big open eyes as to what the, this new world's going to be able to do for you now. And, and you know, who knows where it's going to go. Um, you know, in, in the years ahead, uh, big picture, but also in the sales tech uh, uh, landscape. So, absolutely, um, yeah, Jake. You know, uh, I really have enjoyed this conversation, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, you coming on the pod and, and um, talking through some of these things. Um, a couple of takeaways I have um, from our conversation is um, going back to the top. Uh, know the bottleneck, right? When you're thinking about tech stack uh, options and decision making. Make sure you're addressing the root cause or the actual problem, obstacle, yep. or need that you have, right? Um, you can't just have uh, something you're trying to achieve and you can't slap technology on it and hope for it to uh, just magically work out. You need to understand where, where, where the problem uh, exists uh, to begin with. Um, secondly, uh, change is hard, right? If you have an appreciation for change being hard, you'll probably implement it in a more thoughtful way and manage it in a, a way that is reasonable, achievable, and will lead to greater successes in the short and long terms. Um, and then finally, listen, with everything out there right now from you know the, the, the first tech you mentioned, CRMs, and uh, to the generative AI and everything in between, you have to own your own development and education around these tools. Um, you know, if you're relying on someone else to, to show you all the, the, the things that these things can accomplish on your behalf and the ways that they can bolster your output and productivity, it's not going to happen. So you need to own it. And, and so take the time, right? Become expert. And it's table stakes these days, right? These tools are available to everyone. And uh, those that are using them and using them effectively will probably prevail uh, in the sales performance game uh, as we move forward. So um, I think a lot of great stuff there, Jake. So thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation.
Talk of the Trade is hosted by Mimeo, the better way to print. Find out more at www.mimeo.com.